0: Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. As Emily alluded to, we are in week three of our series that we're calling Let's Do This. And all month long, we're taking a look at the story of a guy named Nehemiah, Old Testament figure. Just an ordinary guy who set out to change his world and he did it in 52 days. And so our goal is to use his story to help us write a brand new story of our own. Now, to recap where we've been so far in this journey, because these weeks do build on each other. In week one, we talked about embracing the burden that God has put on your heart. And for Nehemiah, that was Jerusalem. The walls had been torn down. It was in shambles, and it broke his heart. And he said, this is not okay. Somebody's got to do something, and it might as well be me. Then last week, we took a look at the next step, um, and we talked about what it looks like to act your burden, to actually begin living out that vision. And we looked at three specific leadership principles that Nehemiah showed us and, and we learned that we need to learn how to um, define our mission clearly. We have to plan carefully and then we need to inspire people passionately. And for our practical, I challenged you guys to commit to a step and to live it out. Now after last service, it was very encouraging because a lot of folks came up to me and they were just on fire. They have these burdens on their hearts, they embrace them, they acknowledge them, and they told me they felt like for the first time they knew exactly what to do, and maybe that was you. So what I want to do today is I want to just manage your expectations, shall we say, because right now you are excited, and you're pumped, and you're ready to charge hell, and I don't want you to lose that passion, because what we're going to see today is that when you move forward for God, the enemy tends to push back. And we've talked about this in the past. When you begin to do big things for the Lord, when you start living for the Lord, all of a sudden, you pop up on the enemy's radar. You become a threat, so to speak. And so many times he starts to push back. And one of the ways that he pushes back is through the use of discouragement. You know, you're excited and you're making progress in your life and you're feeling blessed when all of a sudden you start to face some opposition, obstacles, start to get thrown in your way. Things start to get a little bit hard and you begin to feel discouragement. What I wanna do today is I wanna use Nehemiah's story to give you some tools to defeat discouragement. Because I'm telling you it's gonna come. It's just just part of the life that, that we're living as Christians, those of us who are Christians. And I want you to be ready for it. And I want you to be prepared. And I wanna show you two ways that the enemy will try to discourage us. First, the enemy will often try to discourage you from the outside. He's going to use external forces to try to discourage you and try to cause you to quit. And you can clearly see this with Nehemiah. So the rebuilding of the wall is now officially underway. This massive project of God is happening. People are pumped. They're excited. They're feeling hopeful. They're feeling blessed in the process when all of a sudden, the enemy rears his ugly head and he's going to use a guy named Sanballat. Nehemiah tells us this. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became very angry, and he was greatly incensed. So, why? Why is he so angry? In week one, we talked about this. Jerusalem has now been in ruins for 150 years. The Jews had been exiled out of Israel, and so in this power vacuum, Sanballat and his people have now effectively taken over the area. But now, they see the Jews returning to the land that God had promised them. And that's a problem. That's bad news for Sanballat. That's a threat to his power. That's a threat to his way of life. That's a threat to his people and his tribes, and he wants to stop them. So what does he do? Nehemiah says he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? burned as they are. So the opening salvo, if you will, the first kind of shot across the bow was to make fun of the Jews. Then his sidekick Tobias jumps in. And he remarks, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Let's pause here. Nehemiah and his people are now doing what God has asked them to do, to rebuild this wall. They are living for the Lord. And as we discussed... When you move forward for the Lord, often the enemy pushes back. And one of the ways he pushes back is to try to discourage us from the outside. Now generally, he's got two methods he uses uh, to discourage us from the outside. The first one is through the use of obstacles. And you've inevitably already encountered this in your life. You're moving forward, you know, you're making progress with things, and when all of a sudden you hit an obstacle. For example, maybe you're one of the folks in this room who decided that you want to get out of debt. This is the burden that's been placed on your heart. And so you sit your family down and you walk them through this vision and everybody's on board. Now, you might not be excited about living on a budget, but you are excited about the prospect of being debt free. And, and, and so you cut up your credit cards. You, you take Dave Ramsey advice and, and you start using cash in envelopes and you actually start to chip away at the debt and you're feeling great. And you're feeling motivated, and you're praising the Lord for what He's doing in your family. When all of a sudden, your car breaks down, and it's going to be like twelve hundred dollars to fix. Okay, two steps forward, one step back. Now, did Satan break your car? I don't know. Maybe, or maybe it's just like twelve years old. Either way, you know, like that's a blow to your momentum. That's super discouraging. That's a setback, and you're tempted to go. This is never going to happen. Who am I kidding? Trying to get out of debt. I'm, I'm. It's no. Now, maybe debt's not your burden. Maybe it's different for you. Maybe, maybe the Lord has convicted you about your love life. You know, you're single, and you're dating, and you're trying to find a mate, and you've been going to church long enough that you know what Scripture says about sex, but you've been writing, you know, your own gospel. And uh, I've read your books. <laughs> Very risque. Um, now, God has put a burden on your heart to change things. And you decide that no matter what you've done in the past, that from this point forward, I'm going to live for the Lord. And I'm going to wait for marriage. And you're actually excited about it. And for the first time in your life, you feel lighter. But it's the strangest thing. Because all of a sudden, it's as though your dating pool has dried up. You know, you're still going on dates and... And they're really nice people, but when they find out that you've kind of committed to purity, you're not getting a second date, <laughs> right? It's like, in fact, they're not even answering your calls anymore, and you feel defeated. And you feel discouraged. And you're tempted to think, is it even worth it? I mean, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to live for the Lord. I'm trying to do what he's asked us to do, but, but now it's even harder. Why? Why? Because when you move forward for the Lord, the enemy often pushes back. Don't fall for his traps. Don't let an obstacle stop you from doing what you believe God has called you to do. So the enemy will try to defeat you from the outside through the use of obstacles, but that's not his only trick. He'll also use criticism. That's what we see today in Nehemiah's story. Sanbalat, Tobias, they start trashing him, you know, who do you think you are? This wall's a piece of garbage, and and... We know, because we talked about it already, they're doing this because this wall's a threat to their power. But what I have found in our cases is that when you begin to obey God, when you start to do what he's called you to do and and to live differently, you actually become a mirror reminding others of what they ought to do, what they're not doing. See, others see you making changes in your life. They see you making changes in your family. They see you making changes at work or or, or in this world, and a critic resists change. To a critic, change is a threat. This recently actually played out on reality TV. I don't know if you guys watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, Now, (laughs) I don't watch this show, for the record. okay. My wife watches this show. I may know all the stories. I may know all the drama, but I don't watch this show. But on this season of the show that I don't watch, Kyle Richards, right here, she's decided to give up alcohol. And she said that she quit drinking because she couldn't afford to be depressed, Um, she didn't like the way it made her feel, and it was negatively impacting her already uh, strained marriage. Now, you would think that her friends, these ladies, and I use that word charitably with this group, would celebrate this. But they didn't. They tore her down. They criticized her. They criticize her for trying to get healthy. They tr- criticize her for trying to get in shape. When they go out to dinner, you watch the episodes. I'm not watching them, but you know, and they rag on her and, and they make fun of her and they say, you're no fun anymore. And they try to get her to drink. Why? In my opinion, and in the opinions of those in the Bravo verse, they are criticizing her because it makes them look bad. Kyle has become a mirror and they don't like what they see. When you try to better yourselves, when you try to do things differently, when you try to live for the Lord and embrace the, the burden that he's put on your heart, chances are you might face some criticism. Does it make others think about things that they don't want to think about, things they 're not doing and knowing they should do. So what do you do? How do you handle criticism? You do exactly what Nehemiah did. You take it to God and you get back to work. That's it. Take it to God and you get back to work. Every single time Nehemiah encountered criticism, he took it to God, and he got right back to work. How do you take it to God? Prayer. Now, I want to show you Nehemiah's prayer, because this is definitely not a prayer that, like, you're going to be seeing in the New Testament, shall we say? Here's what he said. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. There it is. Here is the good part. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Now that's a prayer. You wish you could pray like that, all right? Jesus has come along since then. Anyway, but what we see him doing here is that he is fighting his battles through prayer. Nehemiah is angry. Chances are when you get criticized, you get angry as well. And you need to do exactly what Nehemiah does here. You need to redirect your emotions to the Lord, okay? Nehemiah vents to God. And we see this happening all throughout scripture. This is totally biblical, folks. All throughout the Bible, we see folks venting their anger, venting their discouragement, venting their disappointment to the Lord. In Psalm 55, it tells us, cast your cares in the Lord, and he will sustain you. And he will never let the righteous be shaken. And I love this word shaken because that's exactly what the enemy is trying to do. Shake you, get you off balance, trying to cause you to quit, try to take you off the wall, so to speak. Don't let them. When critics strike, don't strike back. Take it to God and get back to work. That's exactly what the people of God did. Nehemiah says this, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. So. The enemy will try to discourage you from the outside using obstacles and criticism, but he's got another tactic as well. He will also try to discourage you from the inside. And you can see this happening in verse 10. So the builders have now been working for 25 days. We know it's a 52-day project. It's halfway through, and it's been hard work, but they're making progress. But watch what happens. Nehemiah tells us that the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. There's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. That's interesting. This right here is discouragement from the inside. And what is so interesting about this is the timing. The wall is now halfway done. Being halfway done with anything is a very precarious position to be in. Think about your own life. You got some project you're doing, right? And maybe it's in school, maybe it's at work, maybe you're just like organizing the garage or painting a room and you come out swinging you got tons of energy and you're feeling real good and then you reach the halfway point. And you look back at what you've done and there is some sense of accomplishment. But then you realize, I'm only halfway done. Which means I got to do this all over again. And now you got to do it with far less energy and you're fatigued and you're tired, and, 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 and you've been at this for a while, and let's be honest, it hasn't been easy. You, you've, you've battled obstacles. You've battled criticism, and you're tired. I'll just tell you this. When you are physically, emotionally, and mentally tired, you are far more vulnerable to discouragement, and your enemy knows this, and he uses it to his advantage, and that's when he strikes, and I'm just telling you, When you step out in faith to do what God has called you to do, there is going to come a time, because you're human, when your energy and your drive will start to wane. And in that moment, you will doubt. You'll doubt yourself. You'll start to question this plan or this burden that the Lord has put on you. And you'll start to think just as those builders thought. You'll say, I don't have what it takes. I I can't do this by myself. I will never be able to get this Done, and you'll become discouraged. So how do you defeat that discouragement? Here's what Nehemiah says. He says, then I looked over the situation, and I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Speaking of those opponents, he said, don't be afraid. If he were living in New Testament times, he might say, guys, don't be afraid of them, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Don't be afraid of them because if God is for us, who can be against us? Don't be afraid of anything they do or anything they say because we are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. Do not be afraid of your spiritual enemy. Then he says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your home. Nehemiah is basically saying when you get discouraged, When you get overwhelmed, when you get tired, when you get frustrated, when you begin to feel incapable or unworthy of the task before you, you're gonna do two things. First, you're gonna remember the Lord. Why is that so important? Because when we get criticized, we tend to second guess ourselves. And we tend to evaluate criticism in the light of our own abilities and our own strength. And let me tell you something, that can be intimidating. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait, maybe I am crazy for having started this. But Nehemiah steps in and gives us a reality check. And he's like, guys, 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 remember the Lord. Remember that it was he that put this burden on our heart. And God has called you to do this good work, not according to your ability, not according to your own strength, but according to his. And the enemy in this moment got those builders to focus on the rubble and the mess and the dust and the magnitude of what was before them. And he got them to focus on their own strength. And it caused them to want to give up. And he's going to try to do the same thing with you. And so, in that moment, when you're tempted to give up, it's time to remember. It is time to remember that God has called you to this, no matter what it is in your life. When you get discouraged, it's time to remember that God said he would never leave you. When you get discouraged, it's time to remember all the ways that God has already provided for you in the past, all the ways that he's protected you, all the times that he has showed you favor. Remember that this is ultimately a work of God. Nehemiah says, Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and then fight for your cause, not for yourself. Because if you fight for yourself, you're going to want to give up. You're going to want to surrender. But if you fight for something beyond yourself, if you fight for someone you love, if you fight for someone who needs you, if you fight for someone who couldn't make it without you, if you fight for someone else, God will give you the spiritual strength that you could never have on your own. Nehemiah says, don't fight for yourself. Instead, fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your home. So my question is, who are you fighting for? Maybe you're fighting for victims of sexual abuse. Maybe that's the burden the Lord put on your heart. Maybe for you, the burden for you is you're fighting for victims of human trafficking. A real problem in this city. Maybe, maybe you're fighting for kids in our community who just can't read. Maybe you're just fighting for your marriage. Because yeah, things have gotten bad, but God can move and God can work. And so I'm gonna fight for my marriage and I'm gonna fight for my family. Whatever God has called you to do, remember that he is great and he is awesome and then fight and don't ever give up. Because when you move forward for the Lord, the enemy will try to push back. But if you remember the Lord and you fight with his strength, God can use you to change the world. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time at this church, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So let me just say this. The danger of today's message is that you might leave today thinking that there's a boogeyman waiting to get you. That if you start to live for the Lord, that Satan is going to automatically come after you. I'm not saying that, okay? But what I am saying is that historically and scripturally, we just know that when God moves and when God's people move, Satan often pushes back. And in your pursuit of embracing what God has put on your heart, you may face zero obstacles and zero criticisms and all the blessings. That can absolutely happen. If Satan does what we know Satan does, now's the time to prepare. So this week, how can you prepare yourself for the opposition you might face? Nehemiah's suggestion was to remember the Lord. Now's a great time to start doing that, kind of preparing an arsenal, shall we say. And you can do this in a number of ways. Number one, I think we already talked about this, remember how God already helped you. What victories, this is a great way to think about this, what victories has God already given you in your life? How have you felt his presence in a powerful way? When has he protected you? When has he delivered you? How has he shown you provision? One of the greatest stories in all of scripture, David and Goliath. If you don't know the story, this young 15-year-old shepherd uh, made the statement that he could take down this huge giant. And he went to the king of Israel and go, I got it. I got it. And the Israeli king said, you're just a kid. Why do you think that you can do this? And his response has become one of my life verses. He said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. In other words, because God has been with me in the past, I know he will be with me now. David is finding his strength to do the impossible by remembering who's really in charge. Now's the time to start doing that. Remember the Lord. How has he already helped you? Another way to remember the Lord, get into God's word. Our best weapon against the enemy is scripture. Jesus used scripture to defeat Satan. So if Jesus used scripture, I don't know, maybe we should too. Now God in scripture has made us all kinds of promises, all kinds of promises. But if you don't know them, you can't claim them. If you don't know them, you can't lean on them in times of trouble. Now is the time. Now is the time to get into God's word so God's word can get into your heart. The Lord has called you guys to do some great things. So be prepared and get ready to be used. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come together and just remember this great man of God who we can learn so much from. Lord, I believe that you've called each and every single one of us to make changes in our life. You put burdens on all of our hearts and they all look different, Lord. And we know, because of scripture, God, that we begin to move in your direction when we get to do what you've called us to do, the enemy often pushes back, and maybe right now some of us are feeling that. We're feeling the heat. Maybe at home, in our neighborhoods, maybe it's on the job, there's obstacles, there's criticisms, Lord, and we're just trying to live for you. I pray, God, that you would give us the power and the strength to do what we need to do to live out that burden that you've called us to accomplish. And we will give you all of the glory. We ask this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen.